Well, good morning, CPC. CPC is what we uh, affectionately call our little community here on the northwest side of, of Indianapolis, um, if you're new or somewhat new, just to, to let you know uh, that. Um, now, we have seen some new faces around here recently, so I thought I would go ahead and introduce myself in case you don't know who I am. My name is, uh, well, hang on. If at the end of our time together this morning, you didn't hear anything I said or you disagreed with at least half of what I said, then my name is Jerry Deck. That's Jerry with a J, okay? If at the end of our time, however, you're, you, you take something away, you learn something, and maybe you go beyond these walls and you're going to take that with you and apply it, then my name is John Grabeel, okay? And so, no, in all seriousness, my name is John Grabeel, and um, I'm the director of student ministries here at CPC. Um, I've been here for a little over four years now. I came on as the director of worship and then transitioned this past year over into student ministries. And so typically, I'm with our high school students on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Uh, it's called HSM. HSM stands for High School Ministry. I know, I know. Super, super creative. Just about as creative as ZPC, which stands for Zionsville Presbyterian Church. Um, but I'm typically with our high school students on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. And so I would say if you're a high school student in this room right now, we would love to see you on Sunday evenings. We'd love to see you tonight at 6 o'clock. And um, there will be food there. That's partly the reason I'm there every week anyway. So this morning, Jerry is in Morocco. No. <laughs> that was a throwback to another sermon. Jerry is not in Morocco. He's in Romania. And so this morning, you're stuck with me, and we're going to continue on our series, The Sermon on the Mount. And today, we'll be looking at a fairly well-known section of the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' uh, teaching on worry. And I know that as soon as I say that, the worriers in the room have already begun to worry. And I see it on your faces, because that's what you do. You worry. And so with that, we're going to look at our text this morning. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to to 34. So grab your Bible or you can follow along on your phone or you can follow along on the screens. Therefore, now I'm going to stop right there for a second. I know we haven't gotten very far, but I'm going to stop right there because before we jump into things today, I think it's important to note that this text starts with the word therefore. I think anytime we run into the word therefore in scripture, we should always ask, what is it there for? See what I did? Clever, right? You, you laugh, but you'll remember it next time you come across one. The reason that we should pay attention is because it's connecting two thoughts. The word therefore is connecting two ideas. And so we need to kind of reach back to last week and figure out where we left off. And the very end of last week's scripture was Jesus teaching on not being able to serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. Or a better translation might be you can't serve both God and your stuff. And so this is how Jesus launches a conversation on worry and anxiety with the topic of money, with the topic of our stuff. And I think that's interesting for us, especially here, because we all know we've seen the polls and we've seen the surveys that are done in the United States. That's a key distinction done in the United States. But by and large, our number one worry is money, our stuff, right? By and large, that's what we worry about because we're afraid that we're going to run out of money before we run out of life. And so we're more concerned about money than we are life, but that's a different subject for a different day. And so it's with the topic of money that Jesus leads us into his thoughts on worry and anxiety. And I'm going to interchange those two words this morning, just so you know. So let's continue on. And trust me, I know some of you have grown even more worried because we've only gone, we only hit one word of the text and I've already had to stop. And so you... Just follow along. Here we go. Therefore, this is Jesus speaking. I tell you, 
Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. So worry. We all do it. We do. We're all on the spectrum of worry. Okay? And some of us find ourselves way over here on this end of the spectrum. And we tend not to worry much. In fact, we worry our families and our friends because we don't worry enough We don't worry as much as they think we should, right? And so we find ourselves over here. I like to think that I'm on this end of the spectrum. I tend to think that. Because I don't don't think that I worry all that much. In fact, when I found out I was going to teach on this text, I I thought to myself, you know, I might not be the best person to teach on worry. Because I just don't seem to do it all that much. And that same day, about not not even a half an hour later, I remember thinking to myself, did I close the garage door when I left the house this morning? which led me to remembering that I definitely didn't lock the door in the garage that leads into the house. And then I began to worry about whether somebody could get into my house. And if they could get into my house, they could take all my stuff. And if they could get into my house, they could steal my dog Wrigley. But I know that they wouldn't keep him very long for reasons we won't discuss. They would give him back. I'm positive of that. But if they could get into my house, they could steal all my stuff. They could steal my guitars, my TV, my furniture, my computer. I mean, they could wipe me out. And then I realized, okay, I can do this. I can talk about worry. And so there are some of us that are on this end of the spectrum. And every once in a while, you should probably have your blood pressure checked just to make sure you're, you're doing all right, that you're alive, right? And if you're on this end of the spectrum, you're the, either the exception to the rule or you're lying, pretty much. And so then we move to the other side of the spectrum, okay? These are our worriers, and I know what it's like to live with a warrior. I grew up in a house with a warrior. It was my mom. Don't tell her. But it was my mom. And she worries about everything, literally everything. And I know you guys know people like this. And if you don't know someone like this, it's probably you. There are warriors, and people worry about everything. And I can't help but think that people who worry about everything have a soundtrack that just plays in their mind all day long. And it probably sounds a little something like this. Maybe. I'm getting the hold on from Betsy. And <laughs> there we go. Can you hear it? Yes. 
I can only think that for a worrier, that's the soundtrack of your life is Jaws, that you just worry about every single little thing. Your friends and family have been concerned about you and so concerned that they're going to remove the TV from your house because you hear any little negative thing and you take that upon yourself and you begin to worry about it. Your friends and your family don't let you watch Dr. Oz because every day that you watch Dr. Oz, you've contracted a new disease, right? Your friends and family are concerned about you. They've blocked WebMD on the computer because if you see it, you probably have it. You worry about everything. And what's interesting to me is oftentimes if you find yourself on this end of the spectrum, I've noticed that you often see your worry as a spiritual gift that God has given you and you're going to share that with the world. (laughs) The reason I say that is because you know all these bizarre statistics like Did you know that 450 people die every year from falling out of their bed? We got to be careful. You know these weird statistics and you share them with everybody. Did you know that you're you're 40% more likely to have a heart attack in the morning than you are any other time of the day? And so you begin to feel it. You're like, it's 1030 in the morning. My chest is hurting. I can feel it. This is it. I know I had six pieces of pizza last night, but I don't think that's it. I can feel it. This is the one. This is real. Some of you don't get on roller coasters because you know that two people died on roller coasters last year. Some of you haven't even heard the last few things I've said because you're thinking, 450 people die every year from falling out of their bed? Honey, when we get home, we're putting rails on this thing. That's what's going to happen. That's the extreme. And then there are the rest of us that kind of find ourselves in the middle of these two extremes. I think some of us today find ourselves worrying more than we did years past because of changes in our world, changes in our economy, changes in our culture, because of what's going on in the world, because of terrorism, because of ISIS, because we worry that Hillary or Donald might be president, because of Sandy Hook, because of Paris, because of San Bernardino. We worry and we worry and we worry. And the number one killer in America today is heart disease. One of the greatest causes of heart disease is hypertension, which is brought on by worry and anxiety. Aren't you glad you came to hear this this morning? (laughs) I mean, how many of you think that you've shaved years off of your life because of the worry and anxiety that you've dealt with? Or better yet, how many of you think that you've shaved years off of your family's life or your friend's life because they have to live in the wake of your worry? I think what I find fascinating is that all of us, whether you're on this end of the spectrum or you're on this end of the spectrum, all of us would agree to one thing. I think we all intuitively know that there is no benefit to worry. Worry doesn't help. It doesn't change anything. There's absolutely no benefit. Can we, by worrying today, create certainty tomorrow? No. And we know that. So what do we do? Because we keep worrying. So what should we do? Should we just medicate more? Should we just read some more self-help books? Should we take up yoga? Should we just pack everything up and just move to Alaska and say, I'm done with the whole thing? I think Jesus has something to say. And if we pay really close attention to what he's saying in this text, I think it might change our perspective on worry. Notice I didn't say it would keep us from worrying. I think it will change our perspective on worry. And the reason I say it's not going to keep us from worrying is because I don't know if, you've, if you live with a worrier or know a worrier, you can't tell a worrier not to worry. It doesn't do anything. In fact, it almost comes off as insensitive. 
It doesn't work. Last night, my daughter was in bed, put her to bed. A little bit later, I went back and checked on her. She wasn't asleep. I said, kiddo, you got to get some sleep. I can't. I can't. I just can't fall asleep. My advice, you just got to do it. Just try to fall asleep. I don't know how you do that. Trying to fall asleep means you're awake, right? It's the same thing with worry. I can't tell you not to worry. And so what I want to challenge you with this morning is we might be able to change our perspective on it by looking at what Jesus has to say. And so we come to this point in the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus begins to teach us about worry. And what does he say in the first verse? This is why I said this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Right? It doesn't help. But he says that three times throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. And Paul, later on in the New Testament, he picks up on this idea that Jesus was teaching about. And in a letter to a church in Philippi, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. And some of you, and I know this because I, I'm in, in the same boat, some of you are pushing back on that right now. Don't be anxious about anything. Are you kidding me? Don't worry about my life. Jesus, if you could be a little more specific, that would be fantastic because this is of no help. And in our text, Jesus goes on to address the things that his audience worried about. Remember, he's talking to people in the first century, and so he went into, he went into their worries it was a very hand-in-mouth society. If they had food, they ate it because they didn't know if they were going to have food later on. Okay, and so he was addressing their concerns. Now, if Jesus were talking to us, I think that might sound a little different because for most of us, we don't worry about food and clothes. Most of us probably had breakfast already and most of us have, I hope, clothes on. Okay, we typically don't worry about that. Now, we do typically worry about the things that could lead to that. So that's what leads us to worry about money and things like that. But Jesus might say to us, look, don't worry about whether or not you're going to be able to retire. Don't worry about whether or not your kids are going to get into the school of their choice. Don't worry about whether or not you're going to be able to keep your kids in that school. Don't worry about whether or not you're going to be single for the rest of your life. Don't worry about whether or not you're going to find a job that you love. Don't worry about whether you're going to keep that job. Don't worry about your prodigal daughter or your prodigal son. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about your life. And at first glance, we could kind of push back on that and say, are you telling me that these things aren't important, Jesus? Is my retirement not important? Is my job not important? Jesus isn't saying that these things aren't important. The point is that these things are important and there's uncertainty related to these things. And in some areas, things just won't work out. In some areas, things won't be perfect. They won't be tidy. They won't be neat. They won't be fine. And Jesus is saying, you still don't have to worry about it because there's a way to face the uncertainty of tomorrow and not worry about it today. Jesus says, when it comes to your life, stop worrying. But again, we push back, right? And say, Jesus, you're gonna have to give me more than that. And so this is what I was talking about. Jesus uh, is gonna start to pull us into a conversation about worry and try to change our perspective. He's not just saying don't worry. This is where he starts to change our perspective and he asks a question. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Jesus is trying to pull us out of this tunnel vision that we get when we begin to worry. When we begin to worry, we, we have this hyper-focus, right? It's the only thing that we can think about when we worry. And he's trying to pull us out about that. I know you know what I'm talking about. 
Because when we begin to worry, we think things like, oh my gosh, what about my 401k? Oh my gosh, what about the stock market? Oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do about my retirement. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get into that school. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to feed my family. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm ever going to be healthy and function the way that I used to. Jesus is trying to pull us out of that hyper-focus, out of that tunnel vision that we create when we worry. And he wants us to answer the question, is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And for us, the question might be, is life not more than retirement? I mean, would you say that life equals retirement? No. Is life not more than whether or not your kids will go to the school that they want? I'm not saying that's not important, but what we're asking is, is that life? Is life health? Is life bigger than your health? Yeah. Is life more than just being married? I mean, you're so worried about whether or not you'll get married or get married again, and that's all you think about. And Jesus isn't saying that it's not important, but he's asking, is life not more than whether or not you're married? Yeah. Jesus wants us to pull back. He wants us to to get out of that hyper-focus and that, that tunnel vision. And then comes the kicker, okay? This is what I'm going to call the kicker of this text. We get to verse 26, and Jesus says this. Look at the birds of the air. How insensitive is that? I used to think that this, was, uh, uh, this text, I really would glance over it because I thought it had no practical value to me. It seemed way too flowery, Right? Consider the lilies, look at the birds, don't worry, don't worry. It made me feel like, you know, the, the, the Bobby McFerrin or the Bob Marley thing. Don't worry, don't worry, everything's great. You know, got a surfboard and a latte. No, that's not what he's saying, but that's how I took it for, for many, many years. And he says, look at the birds of the air, but our response would be, what? The birds of the air, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Jesus. I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. I need a job. Jesus, I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. My son is failing the 11th grade. Jesus, I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. I have no car. Jesus, I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. I've been sick for six months. Look at the birds of the air. Are you kidding? It just seems so insensitive and so impractical. But if we look at what Jesus is doing through this whole thing, it becomes a little bit more practical. Because this is what he says. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Now Jesus, like I said earlier, he's addressing his culture. He's addressing his first century audience. It was an agricultural culture, and that's what he's speaking to. Here's what he might say to us. They don't have a 401k. They don't get a college education. They don't walk around and hold their kids' hands and have them wear helmets and make sure that they don't ever run into anything that could cause them hurt and pain. Look at the birds of the air. They build their nests as high up in the trees as they can. They have their little chicks and then just push them out of the nest, right? It's quite the parenting model, right? Yeah. They don't sow and reap and store away in barns. And this is really important because if we, if we misread this part, it just seems like Jesus is making fun of all of our hard work. But that's not what he's saying. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't even really try. I mean, the birds of the air fly around and suddenly they go, 
you know what? I think I'm going to fly south. Yeah, let's do that. Let's fly south. They don't even know why. During the first service, it's not happening now. During the first service, there was a bird that kept running into this window (laughs) while I was speaking. They don't even know why. The birds of the air fly around. They see a piece of string and they feel compelled to go get that string. I'm going to go get that string. And I'm going to add it to the twigs that I collected earlier. And I'm going to build a tree fort. Didn't I just do that last year? They have no idea. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They don't have plans. They don't have phones with calendars and appointments. They don't use Quicken. They don't have a budget. They don't have a mortgage. They don't do any of these responsible things that you do. You're out there trying, and the birds of the air don't even try, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And that brings us to another question. Jesus is going to pull us a little bit further into this conversation. Jesus asks, are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not much more valuable to God than a bird? Do you think God cares more for you than he does the birds? Do you think that God is more concerned with you, you who were made in his image? Go back to the creation story. He made all these things. God made the birds. He made the lilies. He made the cows and the goats and the lions. But when it came to us, it was different. He created us unique. He created us in his image. And later in God's story, he says, I'm going to send a savior. But he doesn't send a savior in the form of a bird. He doesn't send a savior in the form of a lily. He doesn't send a savior in the form of a goat or a cow or even a lion. He sends his son in the form of a human being. Jesus is asking, do you think that God cares more for you than he does a bird? Now you might think that this is a little too deep or you might not know scripture well enough to answer this question. So I'm going to ask it one more time and I would love for you guys to answer the question together. Do you believe that God loves you more than he loves a bird? Yes. And I know it seems so elementary, but it's significant because Jesus is telling us something. He's telling us why, this is, listen to this, he's telling us why we can face uncertainty and not worry. He's not saying how to face uncertainty and not worry. He's telling us why we can face uncertainty. He's telling you why you cannot know if you'll get another job and not worry. He's telling you why you cannot know if your kid will graduate high school and not worry. He's telling you why you cannot know if you ever have another child and not worry. He's not telling you how, he's telling you why. Jesus is saying that there is absolute uncertainty in tomorrow. Tomorrow is for sure uncertain, but he's teaching you that you can have uncertainty and not worry at the same time. He's trying to get us somewhere, and his point isn't just be irresponsible and it'll all work out, because that's fatalism. He's not asking us to trust in fate. He's asking us to trust in him. He's saying, look, I want you to reap, and I want you to sow, and I want you to store away in barns. I want you to fill out applications. I want you to be responsible with the money you have. I want you to study hard, and I want you to set goals, and I want you to do all that stuff, but once you've done all that you can do today, once you've done all that you can do right in the now, I want you to stop and think and remember that God loves you more than he loves the birds. And look at all the stuff that you've done. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. Can you, by worrying today, create, uh, create certainty tomorrow? 
Can you, by worrying today, create certainty tomorrow? And a, a quick aside to that. Guilt works the exact same way. No amount of guilt can change the past. You can feel guilty and you can feel guilty and you can feel guilty, but it's not going to change the past. Very much like worrying and worrying and worrying today doesn't make anything certain tomorrow. And Jesus is saying, if worry isn't going to get you anywhere, then I've got an idea. Look at the birds of the air and settle in on this idea that God loves me more than he loves the birds in the sky. And if God loves me that much, and I've done all I know to do, I sow and I reap and I store away in barns. If I've done all I can do today, if, I can, if I've done all I can do in the now, which is full, of, actually I have a little bit of control over, right? I have a little bit of control over the things in now and the, and the things of today. Can I trust God in tomorrow? Can I trust God in the next now that I have no control over? And if so, I'm not going to worry. And I'm not not going to worry because I know what's going to happen, because I don't know what's going to happen. None of you do. I'm not going to worry because I'm going to trust in the only one that can do anything about tomorrow. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we trust in you. We recognize the reality that worry is a part of our lives and you know that so much so that you made it a part of your message to us. Father, may we not waste our today's worrying. But may we come to uh, this radical conclusion that we can trust you with our tomorrows. Father, may we not worry because we trust in you, the only one that can do anything about tomorrow. Amen.